0: Thank you.
1: y'all want to stand. Welcome to church. Thank you for joining us. Pause for effect. Uh, This last week when Deej and I came for rehearsal, we threw out our set and we uh, we really wanted to do declaration songs which is just declaring who God is. And so today is a little bit different but we're going to we're going to come together and we're just going to d- declare let me let me go back. Life is hard. Life can be hard and I feel like we're all in this weird season of man this is really hard in a lot of different ways, right? But at the end of the day and at the like our, the first thing that should be in our mind is what is our firm foundation? And it's Jesus Christ, right? If we know him, if we have accepted him as our savior, he is our firm foundation and he is our victory and we've already won the battle. We just have to walk in that, right? In the faith. So this morning, and I'm super excited to have the kids join us because they're, they've been bringing an extra element of, of, I don't know, Holy Spirit, I don't know. Like It's just been really great. So I do have a scripture in First Chronicles, and this is from, from David c- coming from a heart of gratitude, and he's, uh, this morning I wanted to pray it. I wanted to pray it um, from that angle. It says, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours Lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all, over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. So we're gonna start off with just a couple minutes of singing God to who God is, whoever he is to you, we're gonna sing. If you don't know, then the scripture is so full of the truth of his character. Yeah. joy this morning whatever you may be going through it's our weakness that he gets to be made strong
2: Your name is unfailing Though kingdoms rise and fall Your throne withstands it all Your name is unshaken What hell meant to break us Has failed Now nothing silence our praise we will cry out in worship the walls of the prison will shake the chains Spirit yeah. come burn in us come, burn in us. Oh, come burn in us.
3: good morning everybody hi I am uh, real quick I just want to read a little bit of Ephesians a piece in him we have redemption through his blood yeah. the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding he made us he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a he purposed in Christ As a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ. Both things in heaven and things on earth in him. You guys, everything seems to be devaluing on this world. And so the value of God and the riches that he uses for his purpose seem even more valuable now. So... Um, I just want to thank you for uh, supporting your local church ministry, and uh, I want to encourage you uh, if you are thinking about getting committed uh, to come speak to myself or Derek, one of the deacons, or uh, anybody really that walks around with a name tag, we're all pretty committed to this family (laughs) body, Um, and we can talk about that. The ways that we give here at our church, we have got a mailbox. Yeah, we're like that. It's outside. We also have a giving box. It's inside. Uh, On our website, newlifehistoria.com, there's ways to to give. And also, we use the Church Center app. Um, Real quick prayer. Lord, Lord, I thank you for the character in Christ, the real currency for these, these spirits that we are. Lord, thank you for building that up in all of us. It is, a, it is a constant work that you have to do in us. Lord, I thank you for not tiring. Lord, I thank you for supporting our, our uh Earthly bodies and what we what we need to uh, survive on this earth for a while. Lord, I ask for your blessing on those that uh, that commit what they don't have to, but what they do out of obedience and love for you. More of that character of Christ. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. amen.
4: going to He's not going to fail you. He's not going to fail you. Whatever your need is, he's not going to fail you. Just call upon him. One of my favorite teachers in the whole wide world is here today. She represents Jesus Christ so well that I get told I get told by people who say, "She goes to your church?" I'm like, "Yes." we're blessed. She's going to pray for Astor today. Charlotte?
5: Hi, I'm Charlotte Robinson. I have the privilege of teaching at Astor Elementary. Uh, we're K- kindergarten through second grade and those kids are awesome. But also I want to just say, you guys are amazing worshipers. It was so fun to be up here with you guys. So, Anyway, let's pray for Astor kids and parents and teachers and everybody in the building. God, we just thank you for kids. We thank you that we can see you in kids and just how uninhibited they are. And God, I just pray for my school, my kids. They're mine. Every single one of the 400 that are there. And God, I just pray for them as they walk in those built, those doors that they just feel loved. They feel loved and they feel accepted and they feel free to be who they are. And God, I pray for our kids that are in Aster that their light, your light just shines through them and they look like Jesus with jeans on in school, Father, and that they're just kind and they treat others the way they wanna be treated And they're respectful, and they're forgiving kids so that other kids and adults see you. And that's how we're going to change the world, God. And I just pray for every little heart that enters that building, I pray that I can make an impact on each one and that they can take it home to their families and then their families can see it and then their families can share. So it's a giant ripple effect. Help us to equip and empower our kids to be world changers for you. In your son's name we pray, amen.
4: Let's go ahead and dismiss the kids at this time. You are dismissed and y'all may be seated. I had somebody comment on the, the last song that we sung about he's never failed me yet. And the comment was, yet? We need to change that just to he's never failed me and he's not going to. Because his word is never going to fail. Never gonna return void, it's never gonna fail. That means we're getting closer to heaven all the time. Amen. Amen. There's one person excited about heaven. Is that my wife? Oh, that was Elsie. Could be either. Turn in your Bibles to uh, Judges chapter six and uh, we're going to study for a little bit Um, Now, my gifting is not as much in teaching as it needs to be. And so uh, I'm going to pray for an anointing, a teaching anointing today, just because I can teach. I just prefer to preach. I prefer to just to tell you what it says and tell you to repent and get right with God instead of telling you this is what it says and then repent and get right with God. That may be the way the day turns out, but we'll find out. But uh, Judges chapter 6 and verse 10. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. It's God speaking to, to Gideon. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. You have not obeyed my voice. The children of Israel were in bondage to an enemy because they would not obey the word of God. They would not. Trust the word; they would not obey it, and so God put them in a position to where they would need to trust in Him, and that's not a place that any of us want to be. But often, it's a place that we end up in. Amen. Okay, let's pray. Let's let's just. I'm going to pray on the floor. I just feel like being closer to you guys because y'all seem to be moving farther back from me. I'm going to preach. Er, I'm sorry. I'm going to pray right here to the to the sin in the room. <laughs>
0: Get going.
4: Gracious Heavenly Father uh, Lord these people need to know your voice and they need to be sure of it so much that they would change their whole lives because they know that it's the God of the heavens that's speaking to them that the preaching they hear today is through a, a weak vessel and it's the words of God it's the word of God that speaks to the heart of man that we need to hear today. So I ask you to give me something that doesn't supernaturally come to me as well as, as it needs to be. And so I ask for that supernatural ability to teach something today that will help them know your voice, that will help them understand what you're trying to say to them and how you're trying to say it and what you want for them and from them I need your help today. You know me. You know my strengths. You know my weaknesses. And they need something special today. So encourage their hearts today with that. Lord, help me, please. In Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Glad you're here. Okay. I'm glad you're here. Judges chapter six. We get back into there. They, they did not obey the voice of God. And in Judges chapter 6 and verse 11, it goes on to say, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terabith. Now the terabith was just a big oak tree. It was kind of a landmark. So when they had a meeting and they wanted to gather together, they would go to the terabith because everybody knew where the terabith was. And they would go to that big oak tree and they would have a meeting under the oak tree. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terabith at Ophrah which belonged to Joash, the Abazite, Zerite, Zerite. I know there's an R in there, and I always leave it out. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Let's just a little bit of teaching here real quick. Uh, it's often when we see the word angel, we think of beings with wings dressed in white floating in clouds. That's not what's happening here. So you're, going to have to, you're not gonna get anything today if you're gonna go automatically to the, to the thoughts that you have in your mind of what an angel looks like. In this passage of scripture, it's actually describing a theophany. And a theophany is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ in human form before he was born. So Jesus himself shows up and, 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 and talks to man, and they thought he was an angel because they couldn't, didn't know any other way to describe him. They didn't know Jesus' name yet because he wasn't physically born on the earth yet. But he was in heaven, amen, and came to earth. We see this uh, in several places in the scripture. The the theophany we see uh, as the Lord appeared to Abraham in Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. It's another theophany. Jesus Christ shows up and he begins talking to uh, Abraham. We see this as the Lord wrestled with Jacob in Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 through 30, where where there's this resting match that goes on between Jesus Christ and Jacob. We see this as the Lord spoke to Moses in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3 and verses 2 through 10. It's Jesus that shows up. And there's a couple more that I skipped just because I wanted to save some time. But the cool one is the Jesus is the fourth man in the fire in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 16 through 18. Jesus is the fourth man in the fire. So it, it's this theophany, it's the presence of God in the form of Jesus as, as God is speaking to us through Jesus. Now today we, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God because Jesus Christ is sitting in the throne of, next to the throne of God. He's in heaven right now, getting ready to get on his horse and come back and take us away from this place, <laughs> amen? And if you don't like horses, I'm sorry, heaven's gonna be full of them because there's a whole bunch of us that are gonna have them. And if you don't get a horse, you'll get a donkey and or maybe I should have said a goat. And if you get a goat, then you're going the wrong direction anyway, because God's going to separate the sheep from the goats and it's just going to be an ugly thing. So at at least maybe you'll get a sheep to ride back on. Okay. That didn't help any of this. In the old Testament, this is how Jesus appeared to Gideon. And like many of us, Gideon didn't understand who it was that was speaking to him. And so we're going to go into another teaching moment. In verse 13, the Bible says, And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord. Now, in your Bible, if it's a, it's, if it's a good Bible, it's a small lowercase l. Please, my Lord, if the Lord, that word should have a large capital L, is with us, why then does this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that a father's recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord, capital L, has forsaken us and given to us into the hand of Midian. There's a different usage in the word Lord that we need to understand. To, to get this point, you got to be able to differentiate between who's speaking and who's who he's talking about. So whenever scripture uses a capital L, it's denoting the presence of God. But when he uses a little l, it's denoting the presence of man. And so he didn't know, Gideon did not know whether this was really Jesus Christ, or whether it was just an, a regular angel or a regular human. He didn't know. It, it, he, he was trying to figure that out. So in this case, Gideon uses both terms, saying, my Lord, little L, is being perceived as an angel to be merely human. And when he speaks to God, he uses, speaks, speaks, of, speaks of God, he uses capital L. So are you with me? Many of you probably already knew that. So at this moment, what we need to understand is Gideon doesn't know who's speaking to him yet. There's some confusion in, in whose voice. And, and that's a problem in our lives when we don't know who, whether it's really God speaking to us or whether it's really man speaking to us. Because if God's trying to lead me somewhere by faith, I want to make sure that it's God's voice speaking to me, not you. Amen? From a, from a preaching standpoint, I want to make sure that when God leads you to, to trust him, obey him, repent of your sin, whatever, whatever he's leading you to, I want to make sure that it's the voice of capital L, Lord, not lowercase me. And you want to make sure that if God's moving you in some direction, that you, you clearly can separate the difference between his voice and man's voice. It might be be the voice of uh, your past, uh, your parents, uh, a teacher, uh, whatever. And it might not be bad things. It just may be not God things that they're sharing with you. So we want to make sure that we can separate that choice or that voice. See, if we're going to move forward in our lives, which is kind of where I feel like God is leading us as a church, we're going to move forward in our lives. It'd be nice to know what direction... Capital L, Lord, is leading us. I want to know exactly where God's leading us, not what society says we should be doing or not what, what uh, uh, the, 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 the community is telling us to do. I want to make sure that if God is leading, that, that it's his voice that we're hearing. In verse 14, the Lord, by the way, that's capital L because God knows when he's talking and when he's not. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. Now we read the scripture and sometimes we read it without the passion in it. And I I, I see this a little bit differently. I see Jesus is trying to communicate to, to Gideon. And Gideon's not sure who he's talking to. So there's a little confusion in there. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this, your, this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. It's not, do not I send you. I take this as God saying, come on, man. I'm trying to talk to you. I'm trying to lead you. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm trying to get you to trust my word because we're going to do some great things together. And I want you to know that it's my voice, nobody else's voice. Stop the confusion. I, I look at this as this seemingly grieves Jesus is Gideon suppresses the word of God. He's not really accepting the word that Jesus is speaking as the word of God. He's kind of suppressing it in his questioning. Are you a little L Lord or are you a big L Lord? Scripture teaches us that we can grieve the Holy Spirit of God whereby we are sealed into the day of redemption. We can Grieve him by suppressing the word of God. God's trying to speak to you. So if God's trying to speak to you today, if the Lord's trying to speak to you today and you suppress that voice, it's going to frustrate him because he's trying to help you. He's trying to change your life. He's trying to encourage you. He's trying to love you. He's trying to give you life. He's trying to give you love. He's trying to be the capital L Lord in your life so that you can stop trying to lead your own life that you've probably screwed up and you can And you can, I'm sorry, get back to teaching, I know. And you can move forward in your life. I think a lot of you are stuck in place because you're frustrating the Holy Spirit of God who's been trying to lead you and trying to speak to you and trying to guide you. But you keep saying, is it really God or is it just that preacher man that likes to yell at me all the time? Is it just my wife? Is it just my husband? Is it just my kids? Is it just my coworker? Is it just whoever? See, we need to know whose voice it is. There was tension in Jesus' voice, and Gideon seemed to sense that because here's what he says. Here's his reply to Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, do not I send you, and he said to him, please, Lord, have you ever said that to your wife when she's yelling at you? Please, please, Deborah. She never yells at me, so I'm really, I'm, I'm making this up as I go. Please, Lord. How can I save Israel? So he kind of pulls back a little bit. How can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. There's a reason why I'm questioning you, God, because I'm not the right guy. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. See, there was this tension, and Gideon noticed the tension, and I wonder, do you notice the tension in the voice of God when he's trying to speak to you? And he's frustrated because you will not listen to him. And he's like getting frustrated with you because you keep quenching him and you keep grieving him and you keep quenching him and keep grieving him. And he's just trying trying to communicate with you and you're not getting it. And this is where we see God's grace. Verse 17 says, and he said to him, if now I found favor in your eyes, that word favor means grace in your eyes then show me a sign that it's you who speak to me. Show me a sign that it's you. How many of you have ever asked that? God, show me a sign. Show me a sign that you are who you say you are. Show me a sign. And then what you did, you said, show me a sign. And then you sat back and waited for the sign to come. And you waited for the sign to come. And you waited for the sign to come. And then you got an upset stomach from the stress of waiting on God to not to answer. And you thought that was a sign from God that that's what it really was. It must be sin because my stomach hurts. See, the interesting thing to me as we read this passage. Is Gideon didn't just ask for a sign from God, but recognized for that sign to come, it required a response from Gideon himself. It was not enough just to say, God, prove yourself to me. Just show me that you're real. Show me that it's your voice. I I need you to answer me in such a way that I can be clear in what I'm hearing so I can know that it's you. But that's not how it worked with Gideon. For that sign to come, it required a response from Gideon himself first. See, we expect to see a sign before we take a step of faith. We're Peter in the boat and we say, we want the storm to stop before I'll step out in the water. Or I'm going to step out in the water and I'll walk. I'll I'll, I'll trust you, Jesus, that you're going to keep me afloat until the storms get, the wind and waves get so bad that you begin to sink. Show me a sign. Gideon recognized if he was going to see the sign, he had to take a step of faith. What is that step of faith? There's. Two things he did to what I am saying confirmed the word of God that he heard from, was from the Lord. That he was able to confirm it's God's word. There's two things he did. First thing he did is he made a sacrifice to the Lord. Look at this in Judges chapter 6, verse 18. Remember, he's trying to find out whether it's a human who's trying to speak to him or whether it's God himself who's trying to speak to him. He's trying to figure out if it's Jesus or if it's just a regular man. He's trying to figure out As as I'm told by this angel of God what to do, I want to make sure that I'm hearing from God himself. And he's frustrating Jesus as he's still struggling with this doubt. So he does two things. First thing he does, he made a sacrifice to the Lord. Look at verse 18 in Judges chapter 6. Please do not depart from here until I come to you. This is Gideon speaking. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I'll stay till you return. Now remember, he didn't know whether it was really God or not. He wasn't sure whether it was really God speaking to him or not. He wasn't sure, but he responded in a way that I think most of us miss when we're asking God to show show himself to be true. Gideon recognized that if Jesus, if, if this was really Jesus, it was important to approach him with humility and honesty. If you're asking God for a sign, how dare you sit there and shake your fist at God and say, show me a sign. You better hope you don't do that and he sends you a sign of lightning. (laughs) That would be me if I was God. Good thing I'm not God. But that's what we often do. Show me a sign. What we say is, prove yourself to me before I believe you, before I'll trust you, before I'll obey you. I need you to prove that you are who you say you are. That's not how Gideon approached it. He brought a present. Now the word present is used in two ways. It's used in terms of a free will offering. Meaning he freely gave of his own self to the Lord's present. And the second thing this word present means is it's a considerable offering. It was a big deal. Verse 19 tells us, So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cake from an ephah, a flower, and the meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and, the, and the, it was brought to him under the terabith and presented them. Again, remember, a terabith is a place of a corporate setting. He brought it into a place where people knew that that's where you gathered together to either communicate about God when you, when you couldn't go to the temple or when, when you had a spiritual discussion, you would gather together at this terabith. So what do we know? We know Gideon went into his own house. He didn't take this offering from somebody else. He went into his own house. And the goat he took from his family, it was his family goat. You ever have family goats? Those of you FFA parents. He took the family goat. He took the family's flower. And he gave them freely to God. Now this ephah of flour was about 35 pounds of flour. And then they made biscuits out of that. Now I don't know how many biscuits you can make out of 35 pounds of flour. But I think you can make quite a few. How many biscuits can you make out of them? She's from Texas. She should know this.
0: It's
4: a lot of flour. And we we look at that and we see this goat. And we see this flour. And we think, well that's not a big deal. No, it's not a big deal to most of us. Give up a goat and 35 pounds of flour would be no big deal. Remember Gideon... Gideon was willing to give of himself, but this offering had to be considerable. And we've got to remember what we've been learning about Gideon is his nation was being starved by an enemy. So for him to give up a goat and 35 pounds of flour was a big offering. And he took it away from his own family. I, I, I looked at it like, it'd be like going into your house and emptying your fridge and emptying your freezer, and emptying your pantry, and then going and emptying your checking account, which for most of us, that's not a big deal. Okay, maybe it is. Maybe we need to work on that a little bit. (laughs) Emptying your checking account, emptying your savings account, selling your vehicles, selling your boats, fishermen. (laughs) We suddenly do not like the word of God, now, do we? And we would present it to God as an offering just to know whether it's His voice or not. That it's not as simple as saying, Show me a sign. He's saying, I want you to show me a sign, but I'm willing to offer you all that I have to get that sign proven. Now this wouldn't be a big deal except you got to feed your kids tomorrow and you just emptied the house of everything that you'd have. That's what this offering was like in this day. Just to find out whether it was really God who was speaking to him or not. He gave that offering. How many of you would be willing to give everything you have to know the voice of God? How many would you be willing to give up everything That you own. To just know it's the voice of God that's speaking to you. Show me a sign. Are you willing to sacrifice for it? Show me a sign. Are you willing to give all you have to know the truth about the word of God? He also, the second thing he did is he proved he was submissive to the word and that's simple Judges 620. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the uncovered cake, un- unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. I know this, this I'm, I'm real simple when it comes to the Bible. I mean, it's a picture of saying, doing something kind of insignificant, but he did it exactly the way he was told to do it. Gideon showed that he was obedient to the word of God in just the simple things. Take the meat and the unleavened cake, put them on a rock, pour broth over him. And that's what he did. He did exactly what he was told in something silly and seemingly insignificant. But Gideon wanted to know for sure that this was a word from the Lord himself, that without hesitation and in great humility, he did what he was told. Jesus gave a teaching on that in Genesis. I'm sorry, in Luke, chat, Genesis. That would have been good. Luke chapter 16 in verse 10, Jesus taught this. He says, one who is faithful in very little is faithful in very much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. So he's talking about humanity and he's talking about kind of how we do things. And he's saying, if you're, if you're honest in the little things, you're going to be honest in the big things, if you're uh, dishonest in the little things, you're going to be dishonest in the big things. Is that not true? Have you had friends like that, who they're honest in in the simple things of your friendship, but then had that same friend who's dishonest in the simple things of your friendship? Like they don't call you until they have a need, and they know you can meet that need? And that's the only time they're faithful to calling you because they don't care what's going on in your life unless they can use you for something that benefits them. Show me a sign. Gideon so wanted to be sure that without hesitation, he did what he was told. Jesus goes on to say, if, the, if you then have been not faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? You want to know what God's saying. You want to know how God's leading you, but that's true riches. To know what God, where God's leading you and how he's leading you and how he's going to bless your life and how he's going to encourage you is true riches. To really know that the word of God is the word of God and that it's, that it's good for me and that it's healthy and helpful. If you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? there's a lot of places I could have gone with that but I thought about that from a standpoint of people who have taught you the Bible throughout your lives how many of you have been unfaithful to the things they've taught you even though they're true and you know that they're true but you can't be faithful in, in the simple things goes on to say no servant can serve two masters for you will hate the one and love the other or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve God and money. Why are we talking about money? Because money is one of the bigger, biggest sacrifices we'll ever make. You can't serve both. You, so, so you can't be involved with God and worship something else. That's what brought the children of Israel into this problem to start with because they were worshiping false gods. I'm just going to say it. Your money is a false god. It will not save you. It will not save you. It will not make your marriage better. Well, we fight all the time because we don't have any money. Yeah, wait till you have money. You're going to fight over what she spends anyway. <laughs> Amen. Or maybe him. You can't serve both. Now, here's the part that I wanted to get to in verse 14 in Luke chapter 16. The Pharisees who were lovers of money heard these things and they ridiculed him. See, some of you don't believe the word of God and what it says about loving money and and loving God. You, You make a mockery of it. And the reality is God's trying to tell you something and you're trying to ridicule what I'm trying to say. And that is you can trust the word of God more than you can trust the wealth that you receive from the world. Would God trust you with greater truth if you won't obey the lesser truth? I think that's an honest question we could ask in the room. Would God trust you with greater truth if you won't obey the lesser truth? Why would God trust you with deeper truths about him and about his things if you won't even obey the basic things of the Bible? The scripture tells us to pray without ceasing, but how often do we go a whole week without praying? And we only pray when we come to church and then somebody says, bow your heads, let's pray. So you pray, but you're not really praying. You're thinking, when's he going to stop praying? Cause he's praying forever and he won't stop. Instead of realizing we're trying to communicate with God and we're doing something basic, but God can't trust you to pray throughout the week. And you're telling him, show me a sign. can't do the simple things like read the scripture listen if you need a bible i've got a bunch of them up here somebody asked me why i did this because i feel like being surrounded by the word of god because i feel safe there but how many of you live your lives without even really cracking this book and trying to find out who god is and what is he telling you but you want him to show you a sign that he's real How many of you can't obey the lesser truth of, of not forsaking the assembling ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another even so much the more as you see the day approaching? Hebrews chapter 10. Like you can't even be faithful to gathering once a week. I'm not trying to rebuke you and make you feel guilty. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm saying, if you want more, but you can't do the bas- basic things. And God wants, to, so so you come, when you do come, you expect this powerful message and this powerful worship, but you ain't been here. Okay, we're having fun now, I can tell. This is why I can't mix preaching and teaching, because... If you wanna know the truth, you gotta be willing to pay the price. Not to earn it in your own energy, but just by saying, I trust God so much that I'm willing to sacrifice everything I have just to know the truth of your word. And I'll be obedient to the little things, the things that people think are dumb. Immediately obey. Now, because of Gideon's response to his own request, the Lord confirmed the word of God. And let me just give you that, verse 21. The angel of the Lord reached out to the tip of the staff that was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened cakes, and fire, which is always a picture of the Holy Spirit, by the way, sprung up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cake, and the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Jesus confirmed that he was the word through the consumption of Gideon's sacrifice by his submission to the word of God. He made this offering, and the angel of the Lord, who was Jesus Christ, consumed the offering, meaning he was pleased with it. And the consumption of the offering was enough for Gideon to realize it's capital L, Lord, who I've been talking to. How do we know this satisfied Gideon's request? How do we know this was the sign that he was looking for? Because look at what happened in verse 22. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O capital L, Lord God. For now I have seen the angel of the Lord, capital L, face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be unto you, do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord as peace. To this day it stands in Ophrah, which belongs to these guys that I can never pronounce. The word of God during war brought peace and confidence to Gideon's next steps. That's how you know you've heard from God. That's how you know you can trust what God says. Because in the midst of war, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of trial, in the midst of tribulation, you have said, show me a sign. And God says, I'll show you a sign. I'm going to give you peace where there's pain. I'm going to give you joy where there's, I can't think of a J. Where there's a bad day. J, bad day, get it? Okay, I'm the only one that got that. I'm the only one that enjoyed that. See, you might not have peace and confidence in the word of God because you don't know whether it's God speaking to you or not. But if it's God speaking to you, what are you worried about? What are you afraid of? What are you, why do you um, not take step, more steps of faith? His sign is peace. And Gideon built an altar there, called it the Lord is peace. Do you have a moment in your life where you heard from God so clearly? that you built an altar there. You worship there all the time. You go back to that place. Remember, this is where God spoke. And this is where God became real. And this is where God's voice became so clear to me that I changed my whole life because I heard from the Lord himself. Not the little Lord. It's not a message that I heard from a human. It's a message that I heard from God, and I heard his voice, and I literally have built this altar. I'm going to worship there all the time. I'm going to, when I think about praising him, I'm praising him for that moment that he spoke to me, and I heard the word of God. I remember uh, when I was kind of new to this Christianity thing, even though I've been in church my whole life, I was laying on the floor, and I was studying the Bible, and all of a sudden, I had this epiphany. This is God speaking to me. You say, well, that's ridiculous. You now lots of people read the Bibles and think it's just them reading what the Bible says. Not God speaking to you about your life and about his life. And I remember calling my pastor uh, and he was in a meeting so it really made him mad, but that's okay. <laughs> Pastors need to get over those things when there's an epiphany about who the, who the word of God is. And I, I, I called him and I said, God is speaking to me through his word. And it changed my life. I mean, like like everything changed. And then then the the preaching of the word of God became lively because I was listening to a man of God preach the word of God to the people of God about what God is saying to us as a people. And I just got this excitement in me. And there's this peace that came over me because I knew that I could trust exactly what God says. It wasn't something that man made up. It's something that God gave to us to know him. I'm currently questioning some leadership in my life, what God, how God is leading me personally. And I'm trying to figure out, is it my voice or is it your voice, Lord? Is it my voice, is it Mark's voice? Is it Kendrick's voice? Whose voice is speaking to me? And we have to, there are moments where we have to stop, even though we can read it in the scriptures, there's moments that we have to stop and ask ourselves, am I speaking this truth or is this from the Lord himself? Will it be as simple as me asking God to simplify, simply verify his voice, show me a sign? Or is he asking me to take a step of faith? Is he asking me to trust him though? I may not fully understand the truth that he's asking me to obey. Gideon was being asked to do something that didn't make sense to him. He was asked as the youngest in his family and the, the, and the smallest of, of his tribe was asked to lead an army of people to get victory over the children of Israel. And he was trying to figure out, is this the voice of God or is this my voice? See, I just said all of this to I think unwind it this way. Before it was true, I knew. Before it was true, honestly, I knew whose voice it was. I knew this when I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, 1. He said, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, in which you're being sa- now being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first importance that I which I also received. And here's the gospel according to Paul. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And he was buried, and then he was raised on the third day, in accordance to the scriptures. See, before it was true, I knew that was true. Before that was true, before I ever even read that passage of scripture right there, I knew that Jesus gave his life for me. I knew it not because men taught me that, but because in my heart I knew it was true. I knew that Christ died for my sins. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I knew by just looking at who God is from the angle of creation that I needed somebody to pay for my sins, that my sins were gonna keep me from God. Well, you still had to have somebody tell you that. No, I, I didn't, I knew it. I knew that my sins would separate me from God. I knew that when I would pray at night to a God that I did not know, and all I saw was darkness because of my sin. And I knew that that it was my sin. I didn't say, well, God's keeping me from him. I knew in my heart that it was my sin that was separating me from God. I didn't need to read a scripture that said that. I knew it in my heart. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. I knew my sin was gonna separate me from God. I didn't even need to know what hell looked like. I didn't need, nobody needed to tell me about hell. I just knew that I wasn't going to be with God because I had sinned against him. In Jesus, in Jesus dying for our sins, do you acknowledge your guilt and confess your sins against God? Have you acknowledged the fact that you've sinned against God? I mean, well, nobody told me that I've sinned against God. You know. You know. You know what you've done is wrong against God. I don't need to stand up here and beat you with the Word of God over it. I can use the Word of God to tell you this is what God says about it. But you still have to make a choice to say, listen, I know that's true. I know that my sins will separate me from God. And if you can't say that, you're being dishonest to yourself because you're thinking that you're going to be good enough to get to heaven. And the truth is, is you know yourself well enough to know you'll never be good enough. How do I know that? Because you're going to try to do good things, and then you're going to fail, and you're going to try to do good things, and you're going to fail, and you're going to try to do good things. You don't need the word of God to tell you that. You can know that the God's, God's speaking to your heart about that. Yes, it helps. It grieves him when we don't believe what the Bible already tells us. But you know in your heart, that you need someone to die for your sins. We also know, before it was true, I knew that what Christ did for me, I could not do. He lived a sinless life, and was the only one who was able to pay the debt we owe to God. And I knew that I couldn't change that. I couldn't change the fact that I've sinned against God that I needed Christ to do what I couldn't. I tried to get my wife to save me. She couldn't do it because she's a sinner. They're all uncomfortable when I call you a sinner, but if I call myself a sinner, they're okay. (laughs) I knew that. First Peter chapter two, verse 22 said this, speaking of Jesus, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When it was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Speaking of God, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That's the cross. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Dying to sin equals the sacrifice of my life to God's life. That's what Gideon did when he made his great sacrifice. He sacrificed his life and the life of his family for the word of God. And lived to righteousness equals submission to God's life. So he gave up his life because he was a sinner and needed to trust in a God who is a savior. And then he decided, I'm going to live in obedience by faith to God who's speaking to me. Isn't that what happened one day? You realize that If I'm going to be saved, I can't save myself. But I need to freely give myself to the God who can through Jesus. I needed to trust Jesus, not myself. How many of you know that in your hearts? You know you had to trust Jesus before it was true you knew. With great cost, an innocent life had to give life for the guilty. And I too must surrender my life to him. And I think that's what's missing in a lot of people who claim to be Christians is we're not surrendered. We don't surrender our lives to God, even in the simple things. We want salvation, but we don't believe so much in him that we're willing to sacrifice and to submit to his word and his ways. And you know, listen, when I use that term, that word submit, you know there's areas of your life you should be submitting to God, but you're not. You know it. You know, you don't even need a scripture to teach you that. You know there's things you're holding back from God. You know there's things you're doing that are against God. You know it in your heart. Even though you haven't seen it with your eyes, even though you haven't seen it clearly, you still know God. How do I know that? Because God's trying to speak to you about you. Before I knew it was true, I knew Christ defeated death. If God is a loving God, he's going to make a way for me to be saved. Scripture says he was raised on the third day. I love how 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10 says it. It says, and which now has been made manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And there's talking about him being risen from the dead. Who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I may not have understood it was Jesus that did that for me, but I I did understand that if God loved me, he would make a way for me to be saved. And it wasn't going to be through any of my good works or any of my good ways. But it was going to be through his love. His love was shown in the name of Jesus Christ, who gave his life that we might have our sins forgiven. He paid the price for us. He suffered and died for us and he defeated death. So I know this, when I die because of Jesus Christ, not because of anything that I have done or anything that I think or anything that you have taught me or said to me, I know because of what he says, I will never die, physically I'll die. Who cares, have this body, it's already ruined anyway, I've already ruined it for him. It's not even good for heaven. You know it's true. That if you trust Christ as your savior, you can defeat death through what he did, not through you do. Your sins will be forgiven. You know it to be true. Before I knew it was true, I knew that Christ delivered me salvation as a free gift by faith. I knew God wasn't going to charge me for it. I knew he wasn't going to make me do all these perfect things because I couldn't do them. I couldn't do them before I was saved. Why would he think I could do them after? Ephesians 2.8.9 says, for by grace you've been saved. By favor you've been saved. That's what Gideon was asking for. If I have found favor in your sight, show me a sign. And that sign was peace. Peace. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that anyone may boast. Romans 10, 9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, capital L, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will, and I'm going to use King James, you shall be saved. Yes. Yes. Right. I knew that if I just trusted That God loved me and He sent me a Savior, and if I trusted in that Savior, that He would pay for my sins, and all I have to do is receive His grace by faith. Without seeing His eye, listen, I've never personally seen Jesus Christ on this earth. But I felt His peace. I felt His peace. His suffering had to pay for my sin. His sinlessness had to satisfy God's demand for righteousness shown through his resurrection. He was righteous. And my choice is to receive or reject his salvation. And I don't, you don't need a preacher to tell you that. You know in your heart that if your sins are going to separate you from God, that you need to surrender your life to him. All of it. And you need to submit to his word the simple things. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, scripture says, shall be saved. How do we sum this up? The natural man, Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, First Corinthians 2.14, last moment of teaching. Because we have a baptism. There's a 10-year-old girl who's going to get baptized today. Yeah. And I was asked this question at 7.30 in the morning. He said, um, if it's raining, what do we do? We go. Nobody said Christians are smart people. We are devoted to the word of God. First Corinthians 2, verse 14 says, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for their folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Gideon had two ways to go. He could either surrender his life and be submissive to the word of God or be separated from God forever. That was his choice. The natural person will not accept that even though they know in their heart it's true. The natural person, because it's spiritually discerned, Wants to find reasons to not believe it, reasons not to obey it, reasons to struggle with it. You want to see a sign, but you want God to do the work. And God's already shown himself to be true. Gideon had such a desire to know the Word of God that he sacrificed his life to the Word of God, he sacrificed his own life to know the truth. Why would you sacrifice yourself to a lie when you can know the truth? How do I know then that I've done that? How do I know? How how can I be assured that I've heard from God that I'm not just hearing from Pastor Andy Roberts who just yells a lot? 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16 says, so we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us so we've come to know and believe the love that God has for us that's what Gideon felt when his offering was accepted when his life was accepted that Jesus came and burned up that offering and the Holy Spirit verified it so we've come to know and believe the love that God has for us do you believe that today do you do you Do you believe that God loves you enough that he wants to save you from your sins? Do you believe that enough to sacrifice your life for it? Like, so that I might be saved, I can give up this old life, this sinful life, this life that just separates me from God. Can I give that up just so I can know the truth about what life is like when I'm trusting God, a life of peace? God is love. Don't care what the world says about God. God is love. And I don't say that because that's what the scripture says. I say that because I've experienced that love in my own life. I've experienced the depth of love that he has given me. shown me time and time and time again. He has loved me in ways that just surprise me sometimes. How many of you have felt you don't deserve his love? And yet he's loved you Anyway. Well, how how do you know that he didn't show you a sign? Yeah, but he showed me the sign in my heart. I have peace with God through Jesus Christ. See, whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love. Love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because he because as he is. So also are we in the world. If the Spirit of God indwells you, you should have peace. But the only way to receive the Spirit of God is to trust Christ to be your Savior. You say, I want to hear from God. Okay, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Let's stand, if if you wouldn't mind. Father, I know I know years ago, I didn't know whose voice was speaking to me. And I know there are times that I still wrestle with that. But I know you're trying to communicate with us today. Gideon showed us how to find out whether you're truly who you say you are or not. But it cost him a surrendered life and a sacrificial life. But he had peace, then he had great victory. And I think there's a room full of people today that could use some great victory in their lives. But they gotta hear from you today. For me, before it was true, I. Before I knew, I, I knew it was true. I knew what your word said. I knew it was your voice. I knew you were trying to speak to me. I knew you were trying to comfort for me. I knew you were trying to come for me. I knew you were trying to save me. I knew it. I knew it with all of my heart. Your word tells us, Father, that in this day and age, it's in the heart where we obey you. I don't have to follow rules, regulations to be saved. I can follow the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and surrender my life to that. Father, we know your word is true. But are we listening to your voice? Are we listening to your voice in regards to our need for forgiveness of sins? Are you're trying to tell somebody in this room that, that you love them and that you gave their, your life for them and that if they would just surrender their life to you by faith, they would just literally by faith say, I'm going to give my life up then I might have the life that you've offered me. Through Jesus Christ, Jesus, I'm going to trust you for the forgiveness of my sins. And I'm gonna receive you as my savior. I'm gonna believe that your voice is speaking to me today. Father, maybe it's somebody in the room that already knows Christ as their savior. Maybe you're trying to lead them closer to you. You're trying to lead them away from something that's dangerous or difficult. Or maybe you're trying to lead them through a difficult time and you want them to hear your voice. Father, maybe today they need to find out what they need to surrender, sacrifice, and what little things they're not being submissive to, because they're not going to get the greater things unless they're submissive to the little things. But I know what is also true is that you want to bring us peace today. You want to bring us peace so that we, in that peace, we'll build an altar to worship you, and we will say, I heard from God today. Capital L, Lord. I heard from Jesus himself. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. However you want to decipher it, God's trying to talk to them. Open their hearts to hear. Surrender their lives to you today to whatever challenge you have for them. courage your hearts, Father. We love you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you, the Lord's been speaking to you and you need to surrender to that, why don't you come to this altar? I know we've kind of lost that place, but it's a step of faith. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Lord, spoke to you today. Come ahead. You know it's him, you know it's him, you know it's him. What's he saying? I bet he's saying I love you, come. You're in the room and you don't know Christ is your Savior. He's saying, "Come, trust me. I will. I paid for your sins. You just got to trust me." Listen to capital L, Lord. Listen to the Spirit of God who's either outside of you because you're not saved, trying to trust, get you to trust Him and surrender your life to Him, or the Holy Spirit who's inside of you because you've already trusted Him, who's trying to lead you into a better way. Maybe even lead you through a trial that you'll experience Him in a greater way. And you've been fighting Him off. You've been grieving Him. You've been quenching Him. You've been... Struggling with just trusting that he loves you and he's got the best life possible for you. Jesus said to both groups that I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. More abundantly. The life in Jesus Christ is more abundant. And you know that to be true. Will you surrender today? Start by surrendering to something simple, just something simple. If Jesus Christ is your savior, surrender to something like being diligent in prayer, just communicate with him. He just wants to hear your voice. He wants praying without ceasing, but he'll take praying and building up into that. He wants you to study yourself, to show yourself approved unto God, a work needed not to be ashamed. He wants you to study the word. But what if you started with just reading it once a day? To hear his voice. He wants to forgive you. He wants to save you. He wants to free you. He wants you to have peace. He wants that for us. But you've got to trust his word. Father, it is my desire to hear your voice for myself. Please let not my voice be a hindrance to yours. As we leave this place, let your voice become clearer and clearer and clearer, but only if we seek sacrifice whatever it takes to hear your voice clearly and to submit to your word even in the smallest of things so that we can know not only that we know that it's true but we can know that it's truly your voice that's speaking to us we're waiting on you Lord Jesus we pray and all God's people said Amen. Please thank your teachers if they're teaching your children because I've kept you a little bit longer than normal and we have a baptism down at the Yacht Club. If you don't know where that is ask Joey. Where's Joey? Ask Joey. Love y'all. Guys have a great week. Hope God's speaking to you. Don't forget your kids, please. We'll have to put them to work.